WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. You're good at what you do, too. She is Natalie Jacobson. You are the dean of South Shore Broadcasting. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. Best-selling author, Dave Wedge. you got to say that. I'm sorry. Thank, huh? Thank you, Mayor. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Kevin's been a long time. Thanks for all you do. All you, you know, your local news icon. We appreciate it. Oh, Kathy's doing a great job at this. And I've decided she's jelly. I got to be peanut butter. There was a debate about it. There was a debate about that. There was a debate. You fine with jelly? I'm fine with jelly. Okay, good. Jelly spikes my sugars. Good evening and welcome to Monday Night Talk. As you know, I am not Kevin Tachi, and I'm going to be your host for the first hour with Massachusetts State Auditor Diana DeZaglio. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Jermaine Wiggins member of the 2001 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Welcome to Monday Night Talk. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Not just economic development, but it's how to get the businesses involved. Senator, I want to thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you being a, a voice bringing so much community news to uh, to folks here on the South Shore. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATD. And we have a great lineup to kick off the, actually, the new year, as uh, last week was kind of a, a rundown uh, of a, a program that we did from Pilgrim Hall Museum with some great guests. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we kick things off this evening with Joe Rossi, Joe Flood. He is kind of the, uh, the guru when it comes to the National Flood Insurance Program. Best way to protect your home when it comes to anything water-related or anything that's storm-related and then some. He's uh, here just kind of waiting patiently to kind of give us an update as to the uh, the NFIP mm. program. So he'll be joining us in just half a second. Uh, following uh, uh, Joe will be uh, the State House Report with State Representative Kathy Lenatra, and we get a chance to... Find out how the new year has started for her and uh, some of the activity going on up at the State House, and uh, even a little bit of a conversation in regards to maybe some new years, uh, some some changes in the new year, and maybe some uh, personal challenges. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Our number two, well, you know, anybody who is a sports fan has been paying attention. It is Black Monday when it comes to. The National Football League, and if you had a team that uh, didn't do well and you were a head coach, well, there's a really good chance that you are unemployed at this moment. Many are kind of hoping and wondering what's going to happen to the hooded one, Bill Belichick. Well, we, uh, we're going to be fortunate enough to have WATV Sports Director uh, Quinn Kelly join us. I'm just going to throw in uh, the sports exchange that he does every Sunday night from 5 to 7 p.m. And Jerry Thornton from Barstool Sports. Now, Jerry would come in studio, but he actually is kind of just waiting because nobody knows what's going to happen. If you had a chance to hear the press conference earlier today, uh, the way Bell- Bill Belichick kind of put it was is that, you know, he's he's under contract and he's, he's going to meet with uh, Robert and Jonathan and they're going to plot out what to fix this broken ship that's known as the New England Patriots. Uh, some Some folks, anybody who listens to sports radio, some of these sports prognosticators are already kind of saying that this is just a ruse until they can work out the details to either trade bill or um, some kind of an amicable, amicable split. So we'll speak with Quinn and Jerry and get their take on it. So that's coming up in the second hour. 
right now, we'll turn our attention to Joe Flood himself. <laughs> Joe, how's it going? Good. It's going great, Kevin. I want to say my uh, my deepest condolence is that you are no longer in the new open to the show oh, at this moment. That was my biggest gripe coming on. <laughs> I said you got rid of me in the intro, so do I really want to be on the show? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it, it, again, there's going to be there's there's other versions that are in the works right now. That was just kind yeah. of a. Well, that one was around for a while, so I don't know how long I'll have to wait. 2016. That was when the last okay. time Kevin Lowney was the one who put that together. This one I was able to kind of cobble together. I mm. probably got 200 cuts, and I just, it was like, it's like Tetris. You kind of find, yeah, it's like puzzle pieces. You got to fit them into, you know, what we've done previously and mm-hmm. make it flow. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I got the thumbs up from the program director, uh, Rob Hackler. So there you go. He said it was good to go. I don't know how, how Larry feels about it. Larry was, kind of the one who actually said to me that he didn't think he didn't think he would see it in this lifetime that we'd, we would do a new opening so <laughs> he shakes his head so um so that i didn't want to pass along the condolences but thank uh, you how are you so good i know you're you're anticipating a a new rossi to the clan yeah yep i uh, expected date is uh february 5th for uh my uh, my uh, wife and our uh first child so uh it's coming down to the wire here and as i was saying to you off air this is kind of my last week before we go into our uh pre expecting our pre-due date isolation to prevent any illness before the uh birth you go into the flood bunker yep hunker down and uh pile up the sandbags yeah we won't see joe for a while that's right it'll be uh yeah before and after so but it's uh it's been fun you know it's been an exciting couple of years and uh uh, both personally and professionally so uh hope to give more of that uh information here tonight yeah let's you know with a new year, you know, we we sit and we look, and you and I have these conversations every four to four to six weeks. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, maybe quarterly. Yeah, and I kind of feel as though every time we have a conversation, there's some changes. We we talk about mm-hmm. what some of those items are that that are going to shift, and for folk for policyholders to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. But we also know that the, the can has been kicked repeatedly when it's when it comes yeah. to. Nothing has changed. The whole idea is hopefully it doesn't. It's not some a program that gets sunset by the federal yeah. government, right? That is true. And um, you know, right now we're expecting a February second uh, program expiration. But uh, news out of Congress yesterday is there is a what seems to be a tentative agreement on funding. So we're hopefully going to get that bill passed um, before February second. And there's other deadlines coming even sooner than that. But, you know, every uh, every time I come on the show, Kevin, there seems to be kind of a new bubble issue that bubbles up with the National Flood Insurance Program, and that has not changed. We're dealing now with what I'd like to call a manufactured crisis with the National Flood Insurance Program around what happens during a lapse. And, of course, when we have these reauthorizations that or these extensions and government funding that push the NFIP down the road, sometimes only a week or two at a time. There have been program lapses since 2017. I think the totals are like five days over the course of the last five years the program has lapsed. And we hope that that doesn't happen ever, right? We hope that the program you know, is reauthorized on time and there's no lapses and that people can buy and renew their flood insurance. 
And every time we get close to a lapse, the NFIP will issue guidance to the industry, meaning the, the write-your-own carriers and that sell the policies and agents and others, about how to handle what goes on during a lapse, right? If we lapse, you cannot buy new flood insurance through the NFIP because the, the funding isn't there. The program has technically expired. But it was always understood that if you renewed your policy ahead of time, if it was supposed to renew during a lapse, but you renewed it ahead of time, you were issued a policy, you would have coverage during a lapse. And we're now finding out through recent bulletins issued by the NFIP that may not be the case. So this is actually a huge, huge issue that we're dealing with internally within the industry right now. We've had meetings with leadership at FEMA. We've had meetings in within each industry, um, you know, together kind of industries kind of coming together to say that that is not right. That that if you pay your renewal ahead of time and there is a lapse and you are technically re- supposed to renew during the lapse, but you've already paid it, you should have coverage. But right now it doesn't seem that way. And uh, so this is our newest issue that we're dealing with. It is totally programmatic. This is not a congressional issue. Uh, Well, it is and it isn't. It's a congressional issue because if they just reauthorized the program for five years, we wouldn't need to worry about the program lapsing. But because we keep kicking the can down the road and there's chances for the program to lapse, the new FEMA guidance says that uh, you could potentially not have coverage even if you've renewed your policy. So this is uh, this is huge, and we're dealing with it right now. Is it a difficult? So if your your policy lapses, right? If so the program lapses, if the program lapses, and your renewal date falls within the lapse, right? So let's just say it's going to lapse February second, hmm. and you are supposed to renew February third. Well, you you can pay that renewal ahead of time. You can pay that renewal right, now, right. and you can get a policy page issued, and and you can say doesn't hey, matter. Doesn't matter. You do not have coverage during a lapse. So this is, um, you know, the thought behind this is that when Congress has reauthorized the program in the past, they are good. They go retroactive, meaning, oh, everything goes back to like there was no lapse. Um, But it's a dangerous game to play when you've got a lapse that goes more than a couple days, because if there's an event, if there's a flooding event Mm. in that time, the question we have now is how do you handle a claim? If you're saying you have no coverage, even though you've renewed your policy, then how is a claim handled? And I think this is um, the the questions that we all have right now. Now, if you are so, – so what are the reasons given as to why they, they, they don't want to extend it for a long – for a period of five years? What are the reasons that are being yeah, given so, for that? So the congressional side of it, so what I just explained is the FEMA response to a congressional problem, right? Because the the, the real problem Sounds is, like a, a finger-pointing issue. Well, it's it's an issue that, you know, FEMA is interpreting the law to mean one thing, and Congress could solve all of this just by extending the program five years. Right. And really it comes down to there's a lot of hot-button issues and reauthorization. Some people just want it pushed five years down the road with nothing else done. Many want reforms to be done and kind of the two sides clash when those uh, when those those views are taken. So um, there's you know everybody you know in in what's really funny, Kevin, and this is an issue that is not a Democrat Republican. It's a geographic issue, right? Mm. The congressional leadership in New Orleans and New York and other Florida and other areas that this is really a hot button issue and have had issues in the past. You know, Texas, Harris County, those areas. You know, they have one view of how the program should be. Congressional leaders in other states like New England and Midwest and California. 
California, they may have a different way just because flood insurances, um, floods, I should say, have impacted different parts of the country differently. So um, that is where the issue remains, um, that there's just a lot of headbutting when it comes issue to issue with philosophical viewpoints. Exactly. exactly. And nobody knows how to get on the same page. It's, it pretty much sounds like a broad, you know, a. Uh, um, a systemic issue with Congress. It is. It's an issue not just here, but in other areas for sure. So what is it? What is a homeowner to do? But to just kind of take it. The, us the homeowner needs to call their congressman and tell them to push the National Flood Insurance Program to reauthorize it for five years at least. And FEMA's pushing for a 10-year reauthorization. I don't think we'll ever get that. I'd be happy with a five-year reauthorization. <laughs> so, you know, take what you can get, right? Um, because it's better than the six months, two week. We've had a couple days that this gets kicked down the road. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then how can you have Congress kick it two weeks down the road and try to communicate to people, oh, well, if it lapses, you don't have coverage technically if you've tried to pay your renewal ahead of time. But now that it's lapsed, Congress will retroactively enforce the program. So now you had coverage. But, you know, there's people within industry, Kevin, saying that if the lapse goes on too long, you know, we don't know what that really means, right? That's kind of subjective. How long is too long? Then the insurance companies have been instructed to refund and cancel the policies. And that is, uh, again, a huge problem. So, you know, it's uh, it's a hot button issue. Uh, you, you know, every time I come on here, there's usually something that bubbles up like this, and industry is working through it. But it's a pretty, um, you know, it's pretty striking to see that uh, the heat is getting turned up on what happens during a lapse, uh, which in turn should put the heat on Congress to do something about it. Knowing that, knowing that we have it's a presidential year for elections, wouldn't you think that this would be something that folks who are up and are on the ballot might want to be a little active or well they'll be active you know they'll be active in terms of talking about what they want done but but usually during presidential or congressional election years nothing actually does get done with the national flood insurance program so this will be something where we wait till next year where the can gets kicked down the wait, road it already is next year yeah well, next you're saying year, tw- you're saying 2025. 2025. Okay. Yep, till we wait to 2025, a new Congress to finally try to get something done. What are some of the biggest issues that you have folks coming to you about in regards to flood insurance or renewals? Well, the biggest issue in general is affordability. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of people not pay, renew on their own or purchase flood insurance in general because it's expensive. Um, You know, finding the right policy for the right person can be tricky. You know, we're having a massive storm here this week in New England um, that the places will flood and the ability to get flood insurance for those places becomes difficult. Um, So, you know, affordability is one of the main issues, not just for those that want to purchase it, but for Congress to tackle as well. How are how are things as far as for you business wise personally? I know you work with a lot of different communities, including the great town of Marshfield. Uh, how are things going? Well, great. You know, the town of Marshfield um, has for thirteen or fourteen years, actually now fourteen years, been a place where myself and others um, have really put a lot of effort into the, as you know, the community rating system. Um, the CRS program, for those that don't know what it does, basically if towns go above and beyond the minimum NFIP standards, 
um, towns will get credit by FEMA, and in turn, every single NFIP policy in that town gets a discount. And depending on how much work you do, the bigger the discount. You know, I was so proud in 2018 when the town sent me for CRS training. I came back, I established the CRS committee with the work of myself and others, both residents in town and also this town staff, um, came together and created the CRS committee in town and got Marshfield from a 5% discount to a 15% discount in two years. And that was a huge, um, dis- uh, you know, we talk about affordability being the biggest problem in flood insurance. Well, there's a great example of making flood insurance more affordable. Um, but unfortunately, Kevin, with all the work I've done in town um, for 14 years, both five being kind of piloting the CRS committee and uh, the rest being an advocate in town, um, the I was informed in September that the Board of Selectmen had uh, decided, or actually in November, that the Board of Selectmen had decided to go in a different direction and I am no longer involved uh, with CRS or actually anything now in the town of Marshfield. And one of the reasons that um, I took the opportunity to come on your show tonight um, when, when you reached out was not just to talk about the issues with the NFIP, which, as you can see, there are many. There are. Um, but also to thank the coast, the residents of town, specifically the coastal residents, my committee, and my, you know, the committee that I helped form and that currently works uh, on behalf of the residents, and particularly the staff of the town of Marshfield at Town Hall, to thank them for five years on the committee, but for 14 years of supporting me uh, and the others that have been involved in helping to save the money, keep them informed, um, to thank them for that time. It's been uh, it's been great. Uh, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It got me to where I am professionally today in both my you know insurance wholesale business and, and MGA business, and also uh, you know traveling the country to conferences and speaking and being on national committees and doing all the stuff I do. It all started in the town of Marshfield. Um, so I want to thank the residents, um, town staff, and my committee for that time. If you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Joe Rossi. Uh, Joe Flood, a gentleman who is probably one of the best when it comes to understanding the National Flood Insurance Program, was in the in in the trenches when they were talking about the FEMA flood maps. Mm-hmm. I remember it well, and he was he, at every meeting, and was one of those um, that they would come to. They, people would come to him, uh, experts and and municipalities alike. To get information mm-hmm. from Joe because Joe was kind of well studied in this area. Did now? How did you? How did you find out? Did did you just receive a mystery letter in the <laughs> in the mail? Did you get a phone call where you called into someone's office and they're like, you know, maybe you passed by the town clerks and go, oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, how did it happen? Well, Kevin, um, you know, I am intimately uh, aware of how it all unfolded. But to be fair to everybody involved in what is going on in the town of Marshfield, I'll leave it as um, there is a misunderstanding by the elected leaders of the town and and, um, organizations within the town that are not part of town government that CRS is creating new regulation for the people of Marshfield, which is totally untrue. Um, 
I can think of at least one instance specifically where the agenda for the Board of Selectmen had a agenda item that said that basically in short that the CRS committee was enforcing regulations in the 500-year flood zone, which is a non-regulated zone for building and compliance, which is totally untrue. It's actually the federal government. If you take a federal grant you have which the town you know certainly other towns do take federal grants federal the the federal standards have increased under uh presidential executive orders president biden's executive orders to enforce higher standards in 500 year flood zones but the idea that our committee was the one that was enforcing this higher flood standard was totally untrue our job at CRS is to take existing regulations found in building codes, in other codes within town, conservation codes, and inform residents and make sure that all of those items are being followed. Because, again, CRS awards a discount to NFIP policies if a town goes above and beyond the NFIP minimums. You have to follow the NFIP minimums to go above and beyond those minimums. And in the town of Marshfield, where we go above those minimums are open space purchases, which certainly is not a higher standard being placed on any individual. We inform residents extensively about flood risk. That is going above and beyond the minimum standards. Uh, And we also do outreach activities and mailings and brochures and websites and all of these different things. We have one of the highest rated organized um, plans for public outreach. Um, So I think, and this is a lesson learned not just for the town of Marshfield, but for other communities, that CRS, um, the CRS program is meant as a program to inform, educate, um, lower flood risk and lower flood premiums. Uh, it is not a program designed to cause a burden on the individuals that it's actually meant to help. It's meant to save money for those. So, Kevin, I would say that, you know, th- that how it unfolded, um, you know, there's um, certainly a, a long discussion about how that happened. But I can tell you that the origins of where this started was because of the misunderstanding that CRS is trying to enforce higher standards um, that would that would impact individuals when really that's just not the case. Is there a concern that this is something that could become commonplace in other communities? Other communities may see what Marshfield is doing and what their philosophy is becoming and follow suit. Well, I think there's certainly hope that other communities do uh, enforce CRS like, you know, or or do CRS like the town of Marshfield did in a positive way. Um, I just talked to the building commissioner, uh, Andrew Stewart of Marshfield, and communities are reaching out to him regularly to see the best practices. Because you have to remember, Kevin, the work we've done with CRS saves people 15% a year on their flood insurance. And rumors are that the town would qualify soon for a 20% discount. So that is huge um, in terms of what it saves its residents and the benefit that it gives them. Um, Where I think um, coastal communities uh, in general, uh, my concern would be that they 
uh, see the CRS program as an impediment to development and other things in town that, say, you know, a community's chamber of commerce or a community's board of selectmen might find uh, to be, you know, an impediment versus, an, you know, helping them. Um, and the and the attitudes and rumors can, you know, come together to be opposed to CRS. But I hope that communities and towns do their research uh, and enforce CRS um, uh, in their towns because of the benefit that we've seen, not just in Marshfield, Situate, Hull, Plymouth, other, you know, Quincy, Braintree, Worcester. I mean, these are all CRS communities. Um, so there are certainly other places that CRS has offered a benefit to more than just Marshfield. And um, so I, I would say that I hope that other communities model what they've done after the great work of the town of Marshfield. Again, the staff there, the different departments that were involved, um, the people of the town, the residents, they were our biggest CRS supporters. Are you going to have to do any extra work? Are you, any any extra info that you're going to, other than doing a program like this, to try to give folks, you know, options and understanding as to what their options are and not just what folks are, are are saying in one particular community well you know when it comes to crs that's a great question kevin because we have started to reach um to, out to other organizations outside of um the town um in the county and beyond um that are um actually working to spread the good word of of crs so i'm going to stop you right there okay uh, I actually, uh, one of our listeners just texted in Yes, and wants you to please kindly explain what CRS means. Sure. The community rating system. Um, and so basically what that is, is if a town does certain things uh, that according to a 400 page manual issued by the National Flood Insurance Program and those, you know, that 400 page manual gives um descriptions of activities regarding flood, flood outreach, flood awareness, you know, purchasing open space. So if a town does those certain things, they accumulate points. And those points then go towards giving all the NFIP policies in town a discount. Um, so that's where that 15% discount comes from. So every 500 points is a 5% discount. So for in Marshfield, we've got over 1,500 points because we're getting a 15% discount. So um, it's a, you know, it's a great program. Um, and again, I really want to thank the town, uh, the staff and the residents of town for those uh, over a decade of work, if you can believe that, with both being an advocate and also working on their behalf um, to implement not just this program, but, I mean, you always talk about the maps, you know, the research on the maps, oh, the yeah. meetings that we did. I mean, this goes back to 2010. Sure. So, uh, or 2013, and, and my time in the town started in 2010. So, uh, but just thankful for that time, thankful to the residents for that time, uh, and, uh, you know, onward onward and upward with CRS and other things going on in, in floodplain management. Well, I've received, received a couple of text messages, folks thanking you for coming on, giving them this, this update, a much-needed update, insight into it, and they feel better informed. So Good. Thank you I, very I would much. just I would my parting words as I've been giving to the to the town of Marshfield, my parting words would be um, to have the coastal residents, just like we did in 2012 when we started uh, all of this with the maps and the insurance changes being done at the federal level. 
really need to stay informed and stay tuned uh, to what is going on in the community. That is the number one thing that uh, has never changed in all of my work in the town and nationally is that information and knowing what's going on is your best uh, weapon against uh, having things just being done to you. So, um, folks, want more information? Yep. Uh, you can. Well, you can always go to joefloodrossi.com, which has all the different things I'm involved in, and you can always reach out if you have further questions. Excellent. Joe, I want to thank you so much. Yes. Uh, best of luck as you head into the bunker. Thank you. You and the missus and uh, baby Rossi. Um, do you know what the baby is? We do not. Oh, it's a okay. surprise for us. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I won't. I won't uh, poke and prod you for for possible names. We'll just be surprised <laughs> yes. the next time you come in, uh, probably in, in March, and uh, talk to us about the latest. Has the can been kicked? There's been a, been a remedy when it comes Absolutely. to the NFIP. There he is, Joe Rossi, Joe Flood, uh, our guest uh, here on Monday Night Talk. We are going to step aside, and when we come up. Statehouse report from Kathy Lenatra. Don't go anywhere. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzola and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzola. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. And we return for the second segment of 2024. And joining us, what, what good is having... Uh, radio segments without having some of your favorite legislators or even somebody who uh, has been deemed uh, your co-host, but uh, 12th, representing the 12th Plymouth District. Do not ask me to name all the communities that are involved in the 12th, but State Rep. Kathy Lenatra is here. Well, Happy New Year, Kevin. You flatter me. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Well, you're, again, you're consistent. I think we've had we've had great conversations, whether it's between the two of us. True. Yeah. Uh, or some of the great guests that you have. We've had some great guests. Great guests. And and let's not forget, you also were a part of last week's uh, re-airing of the award-winning show we did down at Pilgrim Hall Museum back yes. in 2019. Yes. With some fantastic guests um, who were there, and you were one of them, along with uh, former State Senate President Therese Murray, um, just, just to name a few. We had a great time. Yes. We did. So, how are you? How are you? New Year's started. I'm sure things are already ramping up at the State House. New Year's has started. We've ramped up at the State House. We're all back, organizing our offices, having more hearings, getting ready to get into session to vote on some bills is my hope that that will be sooner than later. So we're all back. Anything anything on your plate that you're hoping is going to have consideration. I don't know if anything has found its way out of committee and there's going to be something that'll be on the floor for discussion or bundled or anything like that. So 
I will my a few of my important bills that I feel like a broken record that I always talk about um, will be voted on this week, and I'm I'm optimistic they'll be voted out of committee and they'll get to the floor. One of the bills that I filed last session did pass the House and didn't pass the Senate, so I'm hoping it passes the Senate this year. I had Senator Moran was um, kind enough to file it on the Senate side. So that is the James Ward Act, and that is after a family in Plymouth. Um, Their young son and the father and another son were riding their ATVs, and someone came around the corner and hit the son on the ATV and said he was going back to get help, and he didn't. He went back to the party he was attending, and um, sadly, their son passed away from his injuries, and this is to increase the penalty for hit and runs on a recreational vehicle, um, which did pass the House last year. So I'm hoping that I'm optimistic it will pass again this year and that it will pass the Senate. And then we always go back to that voter safety bill, Kevin, always. Voter safety is so important, um, and that's looking good. That's looking really good this year. It was in a different committee. I have the Marine Tradesman behind me, um, and then our Officer Wellness Bill. You know, that's really important. It's the same bill that was filed in Colorado, which is making a, a large impact on first responders and police officers. And, you know, as Jimmy Creed and I have been on there many times talking about hurt people, hurt people. And Correct. we don't want our our police officers, our firefighters, our EMTs to be hurt and then have to be on the job. So we want them to take the time that they need to heal from the traumatic experiences that it, they experience. Yeah, people, I don't think that... The regular Joe and Janes understand those who serve them in public safety. And you kind of named whether it's a police officer, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a firefighter, whether it's somebody who is with EMS or somebody who works for the sheriff's right, departments. Right. That that they all, you know, they all they see things. They're they called do. to scenes. Depending on the size, the magnitude of the incident. And sometimes it can be something that, that stays with you for a it's lot horrific. longer than, you know, being mm-hmm. on the scene. And we've had some real tragedies and traumatic events happening on the South Shore, you know, in the past year and two. And, yeah. you know, even the DA, I mean, he he's has a job. You know, he has a job, too. Um, so I think it will be beneficial. I, I know it will be beneficial for our first responders. So we just need to get that through to the powers that be and get that to the floor to pass it. Again, uh, we are speaking with State Representative Kathy Lenatra. So she's here uh, first, I think, the first state rep of the new year to, to join us. Uh, first a person uh, on the state level to be here and chatting with us. And over the holidays, we had a chance to kind of chat. You was part of the Christmas Day posse. I was, and I noticed you kept my little giggle in. I thought you were going to edit that. <laughs> no. <laughs> with no, my no, colleagues, no. they, no, no, they no, try no. to prompt me to giggle. No, 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 no. I told you when the podcast went up, I would I would maintain your giggle, and that's what we did. Is is we and folks, I did keep my New Year's resolution to make sure that I got all of my podcasts up. So I did that. And speaking of New Year's resolutions, uh, you had reached out to me with a, with a, a fantastic idea. I did. I have since modified it, but l- tell folks the original idea that you had had in regards to uh, betterment. You know, when we talk about New Year's, right? we think of resolutions. We think of, hey, we've turned the page in our lives for another year. What can we do differently? Share your idea. So I hate the word resolution. I like to say goals. Yep. So we have the new year. And I, um, in the past, many people know I was a personal trainer for many years and taught group fitness and trained to lead athletes and um, have since let that go <laughs> for a decade. Um, and I 
was scrolling through social media and saw this ad. It was um, Train for Life. And originally they said only women, you know, like one spot left or whatever. So I made that call and it happened to be right near the radio station. And I said, hmm, wouldn't it be nice if my friend Kevin joined me in this? Because when I got there, it really wasn't a couple spots left. I was really the only one. And I needed someone. I needed someone to run things off of. And, you know, you know, it's kind of camaraderie, a little competition, the whole bit. Mm. So I sent you a wonderful text and said, just mull this over. No need to respond now. Mm. But this is what I'm thinking. Six weeks. We'll talk about it every week on Monday Night Talks to say our progress. Um, So I have just started. And... You have decided to amend my idea. Modified. Modify. Modified it for the moment. For the moment, but we're still we're still on the same track. Yes. We're we're still, you know, thinking, well, you already have grandchildren. I have not had one yet, hoping to have some someday. Mm. And I look at my mother who just turned seventy nine, looks like she's forty five, hikes, plays pickleball, she's amazing, loves her grandchildren so much, and I wanna be that grandmother. I wanna be able to do things with my grandchildren when I have them. I wanna be that person that can do anything, right? I can go out on my paddleboard when I'm 85, that type of thing. So this is the time. It's time. It's not really for weight loss. It's really just for um, flexibility, betterment, endurance. Um, If I lose 15 pounds, hey, I'm I'm all for that. But uh, it's really just to get back to health um, and a and eating. Oh, my gosh. You know, our schedules are crazy. Mm-hmm. We, we could be at a breakfast meeting, lunch meeting, a, a dinner meeting. So um, really getting my nutrition back on track. Um, I'm doing trying dry January for the first time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really so far. I mean, we're only a weekend, but I'm still gun ho with me. So it's been since I quit smoking some 20 years ago. Good for you. That's huge. It, it was it was huge. But I, I did it as something that. I don't say it was a habit. I just, I like doing it. It mm-hmm. was just something I enjoyed. But yeah. I like breathing too, and it, 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 it kind of <laughs> hindered it. Yes. You know, there'd be times where I would have like a coughing fit for two minutes. I'm going, um, this, this isn't good. Right. Uh, once I quit, once I quit smoking, I didn't have that problem. Um, but the thing that, that comes with quitting smoking is that you tend to replace with that else. habit. And I'm doing yeah. air quotes if yeah. you can't see that. Uh, you replace with something else. So what do you do? Is I eat. I love eating. I, I you know I don't I don't gamble. Well, we're both Italian. We both love eating. You know that's why I used to work out so much because I used to love to eat. Love eating. still love to eat. Love to eat. Mm. Is there isn't anything that I mm. haven't, haven't tried? A couple things that are like like okra. I tried. I'm like Ugh. it just <laughs> didn't work for me. But I tried. I want to say two years ago, I tried something where I was doing intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And I peeled off some 70 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like rewarding where I would have like a nice salad with some blackened chicken afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, after the, I would do like a 36 hour stint. Yeah. And then my doctor chewed me out. Well, you know, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, why? It's, it's worked. It's keeping me off. 30, you would need for 36 hours? Yeah. So liquids. Well, like, well, so I would do liquids. Okay. So I didn't. I don't want. I didn't want to dehydrate. Right. Of course. But I would. I would. If I did have anything, I would do like zero carb type things, like like mm. a carrot stick or something. Wow. Yeah. Or broth. Hours. I would do like 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 do like a chicken broth. A chicken broth. Okay. Right. Low mm. sodium chicken broth. Things like that mm-hmm. to kind of just sustain and and I would 
It were you hangry? Like, were you, do, no. were you not, were you miserable? No. You weren't mean to people? You were no. as kind as you always are? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I still had caffeine. Oh, yeah, yeah. As I have my big coffee in front of me. Yeah. So As long as I have my caffeine. But so the thought is, is that in, in order to kind of accelerate this and, mm-hmm. and do our little, our little challenge. Right, here, our little challenge. Um, the one thing I didn't do during the fasting and watching what I ate, uh, because if there's a cookie within two or three feet of me, I'll eat that and any others that might be near it. Mm-hmm. Staying away from sweets. Um, and maybe going out and doing like walking three times a week. That's important. You know, I, I yeah. live in a community that is beautiful and I can walk around and, you know. Yeah. So that's the idea. So for me to, I'll be active, but I'm also going inst- to institute diet and see where I'm at in six weeks. And give you kind of updates. If okay. I've, if I've fallen off the wagon. I will get you right back on. Get me right back on it. Because, um, again, knowing that you've already started. It's accountability, right? I need an accountability partner. Yes. Yes. And I think that you're the perfect person. Okay. Wow. That's fantastic. I think it'll be great. Yes. I have um, tweaked my diet as well. How so? Well, no, I'm not I'm t- a big sweet person to begin with. Okay. So uh, my por- it's really my portions. And I love I love a good restaurant. Like, I love, we went to Cork and Table for the first time. <gasps> amazing, amazing right there in Plymouth. Solstice, I love in Kingston. I like a good restaurant. Um, not that all restaurants are good, but if I'm going to go out to dinner, I want it to be a, a meal I wouldn't pick at home. I wouldn't make at home. Mm-hmm. Um, See, it's a problem with me. And I've, I've, on and off, I have that mindset. If I'm going somewhere, don't get something that can easily be made at home. Get something that's like a specialty. Right, or, that's what I agree with that. Yeah. So I'm going to cut back on that, which will save some money, which is always nice. See, that's my problem. Is this portion size? It's portion can... size and eating late in carbs, you know. Eating late is, yeah. is huge. Carbs. Um, but are you somebody who, can you eat first thing in the morning? No. I can't. No. I don't eat until probably two or three. Me too. Yeah. That's the biggest problem is just changing. And again, that, that changes this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week where, you know, I... Started this morning with some egg whites and... Good for you. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I got to complete the task. I got to put day one in the books. Yes. And then take the next step and put day two in the books. And, and we'll fly. just cross it off as we go. Yeah. You know how fast time goes. It flies. I mean, Christmas was, what, almost three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? <laughs> three weeks ago? Who knows? But it felt like it was yesterday. It does feel like it so was yesterday. So if we, you know, time's going to go by no matter what. So we can either do this and time will go by, or we don't, and then in three weeks we say, oh, we should have started three weeks ago. So we'll, we'll check back in we will probably check ev- back in. every other week, mm-hmm. maybe every week if we need to, okay. just to kind of say, hey, this is the milestone I'm at. I'm looking at hopefully trying to drop uh, up to at least five pounds a week. Wow. If, if three to five a week, conceivable. Okay. But the key here is also is trying to get off the roller coaster when it comes to weight loss. And right. I've, I've, Has to be. For 20 years, I've been on and off mm-hmm. that roller coaster. Yeah. It's like, you know, yay, I lose all this weight and I look great. And then when I get to a certain point and I plateau, I'm like, I've lost X amount. And, you know, from there, I'm like, oh, and I try different things. And when it doesn't work, I just throw my hands up. Yeah. yeah. The goal this year. Change our goals, lifestyle. Goals this goals. year. Goals is to kind of kind of just stay with it. Don't just kind of, when I get to a point and I plateau, don't just kind of give up at the first. Don't give up. I'm no. not going to let you give up. And if any of our listeners want to join us on Ooh. our six-week challenge, 
I think they should shoot you a little email. Monday night talk at gmail.com. Yeah. That'd be easy. We could have our own little group. Right. And yeah. we can and you know what we what we could do is if we do get emails mm-hmm. when you're on uh, and I receive correspondence, we'll share it. Or if you want to, you know what, maybe you're a snail mail per type of a person. 130 Enterprise Drive, uh, Marshfield, I think it's 02050, and just put them in care of Kevin Tocci, Monday Night Talk. You put Kathy Lenatra, Monday Night Talk. I, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, I'd love to get mail here. That would make me feel so important. Send mail to Kathy Lenatra, <laughs> care of Monday Night Talk. Uh, if you want to be somebody who wants to indulge and be a part of this little challenge, it, do you, it, now anything else, goals or anything you're looking to modify in 2024? We're, we're talking goal oriented. Goal. Um, anything else? Oh, that are not fitness related. Yep. I would. Oh, gosh, there's so many and I hate right, radio well, silence. But So here's what I'll do. Is okay. I'll, I'll fill the air. For, okay. for me, the biggest problem that I have right now is I have one too many. With the, the whole thing of you have a la carte when it comes to watching certain things, like I have local cable. Right. But I also have the, the Maxes. I have the Primes. I have the Hulus. I have the Disney Pluses, the you know the little extra mm-hmm. apps to watch certain things because you can't watch them all on one thing anymore because everybody has to have their own little, their own little spot. I have so many of those. I, I, I the other day I was kind of going through and looking at the different subscriptions, and that is paring down my. And it, it adds up. Oh my god! It adds up. Those little things yes. add up. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm working to do. That's a good one. I worked on that last year, so I've definitely like scaled down on that because my family doesn't really watch TV or uh, that much. But I think what I would really like to do is be I know this sounds so cliche but more present with my family and my children so I still have two at home that are in high school Lydia's a senior and she will be leaving I don't know September August for wherever she decides to go and then it'll just be Jack home who will love that but I think to be more present with them now you know that you know we talked about our older kids I have one that's 30 and engaged and I don't see him as much, maybe because he's his son, and I don't know if she's taken over. I don't know, but I miss that. And and Nick um, maybe going overseas again, and um, in all those memories that pop up on Facebook when they were younger, I'm feeling nostalgic. So I really want to be present with them and my husband as well. No, something that uh, that my Sandy has that we have it's in the kitchen, and the kids add to. Do you have this? They have digital um, frames these days. <gasps> we have it on our Echo I, that. It's a screen, and yeah. we just updated them because I, they were really old um, with old girlfriends and boyfriends, and I asked my husband to update it, so he just did, and we have the pets in there too, which I love. I love that. So we do have that. Um, yeah, and we still we're we're going to initiate Sunday Fun Day back, which we used to do a lot, where everybody from the family would come, and sometimes we go bowling, sometimes we'd play cornhole, or we have a life-size Jenga that we've been playing. We played that at Christmas. So we're a big game family. So I'd like to initiate, bring that back, the Sunday fun day. Just to hey, fit the families that, you know, are, are together. 
family is very important. Super. Very important. important. And I want to keep my unit close because, you know, as you know, I have younger ones and older ones. And if I'm not going to be around for my younger ones, I want my older ones. I want them to be a unit forever. So we want to cultivate that even more. They're very close now, but keep that cultivated. You have been listening to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD, and we've been privileged to have our on again, off again, co-host uh, and state representative Kathy Lenatra sitting in for this segment. So we'd uh, catch up with her on the state house report, and also share with you uh, a little little fun project we're going to have fun it again. Project. Remember, if you want to be involved with this with us, uh, Monday Night Talk at Gmail dot com, mm-hmm. or if you want to send uh, mail us something, one thirty Enterprise Drive, Marshfield, Mass O two five O, and you can either address it to Kathy. I think Kathy would like I would mail like here. that. Or Kevin Tachi at uh, Care of Monday Night Talk. And we'll make sure that we re- read that correspondence uh, when we get together. Yes, that sounds great. And maybe maybe this goes beyond just the sex weeks. Oh, it will. Okay. Yes, All it right. will. It will. This uh, is just our starter. Well, that does it for the, the first hour of Monday Night Talk. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. People ask me, is there anything they can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? Is there anything I can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? See, there is. Those big gravel trucks, when they're being loaded, rocks get stuck in the framework of the bed. Truck hits a bump, rock hits your windshield, it pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Hour number two. Coming up, our latest hour, Quinn Kelly, WATD Sports Director and Firestool Sports' Jerry Thornton. So we have a chance to uh, talk about Bill Belichick. Where is, what's going to happen to the head coach slash general manager of the New England Patriots? Does a 4-13 and season warrant a goodbye? We'll have that discussion, but right now... Uh, we have a, a guest, a special guest this evening. Um, as folks may have heard the news, that uh, state representative Josh Cutler has been plucked by the Healy Driscoll administration to be the undersecretary when it comes to labor, uh, a, job, uh, a position well-deserved. Uh, Josh is a, an amazing individual. Uh, I feel that a lot of our South Shore legislators, regardless of party standing, do an amazing job, and knowing that Josh is being called up to a higher calling uh, means that we lose one of those part of the South Shore legislative delegation. I mean, it's interesting. We had him on during Christmas and had a lot of fun, and, and now he is 
he is leaving. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of change here on the South Shore. You've got Sue Moran, who is uh, going to be seeking a, a, a county office. Yes. And then you also have um, Matt Muratori, who is going to be heading off. He's running for that state Senate seat. And there are already folks who are announcing their campaign to either uh, to either be part of the special election, if that is so decided, for the 6th Plymouth District seat, or for November, and or November. Joining us right now is a, uh, someone who has been on this program. She was actually on this program as a state Senate candidate uh, back when uh, the, the Vinnie DiMasito seat opened up, and she is throwing her hat in the ring to uh, hopefully be the next state representative in the 6th Plymouth District, which I believe is, and folks can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Duxbury, Pembroke, Hanson, except for one precinct, and I think one or two precincts in Marshfield. One, I believe. Okay. We'll go and with that until we know. one precinct in Halifax. And one precinct in Halifax. And that voice is uh, Becky Coletta. She is our guest. How are we doing? I am very excited to be running this campaign. We started over the weekend. Uh, Josh's news came out on Friday, and I've known Josh and worked with Josh since he first ran for office. And um, I worked on his campaign back then. And when I heard he was leaving, it was kind of sad because I thought we had at least another term with him as our state rep. Mm. But... I'm very excited to see him moving on to the executive branch. Um, He's going to be working on things like apprenticeships, which is a key issue right now as we're looking to expand the workforce for people, particularly in the building trades, where there just aren't enough people to fill the spots over the next 20 years. And uh, people are aging out in that industry. And so he'll be working on apprenticeships. He'll be working on policy, labor policy, and on work-based learning. So Perfect guy to do it, seeing that. The, look at the committees that he served on, that he, he chaired. Well, he's labor and workforce development for last term and this term. Yeah. And before that, he did a lot of work with um, work-based programs for people with disabilities, which was also some some really good work in the field. So I'm excited to see what he does in, in the executive branch. But right now, I'm excited to have the opportunity to run for his seat. Um, <laughs> you can't let it get too cold. And I jumped in on Saturday morning. I announced publicly that I would be running for the seat. And here I am on Monday night. Kevin, you you jumped very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's uh, life prior to the news, life prior to the decision, day to day prior to uh, Friday's news. What does uh, Becky Coletta do? So right now I'm actually counsel to the Joint Committee on Labor and Workforce Development. Um, I joined the State House back in um, end of May, beginning of June. Uh, I went to work at the State House, and I've been working on labor issues for the last uh, eight or nine months, which has been really interesting, uh, something I've loved. But It's a little different than being the state representative and the person actually advocating for your district. And when I see things come across about the district that are happening at the state house, I have to sort of say, oh, wait, that's not me. And uh, I'd like to make it me. Um, So that's what I've been doing. I do have a small law practice that I've had for many years, um, but I've been transitioning that over to my nephew and uh, really focusing on politics in the state house. Now, you, I also know that you also work for a, a little organization 
that serves, uh, I would say, between 13 and 17 communities here on the, uh, the South Shore, and it might even sneak into Norfolk County. Uh, I'm thinking Old Colony Planning Council, no? So I'm currently the president of Old Colony Planning Council. I've been a delegate from Pembroke, either alternate or delegate, since 2019 yep. when I was on Pembroke's planning board. Um, I went from the planning board to the select board in, in Pembroke and stayed on Old Colony Planning Council, and they've... Um, allowed me to stay in that role for the last year because Old Colony Planning Council had asked me to step up and be president of the organization. I love it because I think at some core level, I love planning and I love regional perspectives on planning and on development. And Old Colony Planning Council has been a home for me to have those discussions and look at our uh, transportation improvement program and look at our economic development plans and it's it's been a really good spot so I'm still in that role so I'm still doing that and it's a, a fantastic team that you are part of I, I know that Mary Mary Waldron who doesn't love Mary Waldron I think everyone I think right? everybody loves Mary Waldron and she she's a she's a dynamo and she's somebody who who knows how to get things done and build a team and, and knowing that you're part of that team Charlie Kilmer uh, um, I also the name is escaping me. Oh, um, see that you when you when you Lori Muncie. Um, I don't know Lori. Um, this this someone else, but it's 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 Joanne uh, Zygmunt. Joan Zygmunt, who is she actually served on the Central Water District. Yes, right. Also, uh, Brockton. A lot of work in Brockton. Um, oh, um, Nick Giaquinto, who oh, was yes. former. Oh, yes. I just have to respond to an email from him today. Nick, who, uh, you know, he was the chief of staff for uh, late mayor uh, Bill Carpenter, and I used to work with him. So a lot of a lot of great individuals. I, I want to say Jimmy Pereira uh, at one time was serving on. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is anymore. Yeah. But but this again, it's it's a great organization that does great things. I know a lot of it is transportation based, but now we see a lot more of it's going towards economic development, water resources, and knowing that that's something that's growing and is needed for that information. Joanne has been working on a really interesting project with um, some money that was brought in by our economic development person, and uh, we've put together some money from Senator Brady helped out of Brockton, brought in some state money. The South Shore Chamber of Commerce actually put in a little bit of money. Peter Foreman. Peter Foreman. And um, we got some federal money to do a regional comprehensive water study and hire engineers to come in and do that. And Joanne's one of the point people on that from Old Colony Planning Council. And they're putting together the steering committee, the RFP, getting the engineers on board. But as we think about all the development, people are always saying, where's the water going to come from? Or how are we going to sustain this? And and that's what this is going to do is take a perspective that none of these towns individually could do, which is to say – what do we have for water down here, yeah. and what's at risk? How can how can we sustain this? Yeah, it's a key. Water is a key element to economic development and building. So it's fantastic. But again, another conversation for another day. I <laughs> know. Uh, let, let's let's talk about this. I mean, it's yet to be decided for Josh's seat. Is it something? And I, I believe that the speaker will be the speaker. I don't know if it's going to be Ron, Ron Mariano or if it's going to be the Healy Driscoll administration, whether there's going to be a special election or we'll just wait and see what happens in November. And whoever wins in November will be the person who will start, you know, January 2025. You know, that's a, that's at a pay grade above me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Right. So um, I'll I have to sort of start running from the you know 
from day one, whether it's a special election or a general election. The dynamic is a little different, having run in the special election for the state Senate race. A special election is a very quick race. It's a very expensive race because you don't have as much time to get out there and talk to people and really go door to door and really talk and listen to people. You don't have as much time to do that in a special. Um, But isn't it – I'm going to throw this out there. And I'm somebody who – I'm a fan of reality shows. Yeah. But if, like, you get that – you get an advantage somehow bestowed upon you, and that leads you to getting, you know, that – whatever that necklace is that will give you, you know, you'll be free from being voted out for the evening – I, I equate that as if you're somebody who wins the oh, special election, that basically kind of gives you a leg up on whoever is running in November. It, it does to a certain extent. I mean, the, the dynamic this year is a little bit different because it's a presidential election year. So the turnout for a special election is very different from the turnout for a general election on a presidential year. So I, I wouldn't say I'd be confident that one would equate with the other necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would be, you know, it's two elections. You have to run two elections. At the end of the day, you get out there and you run as hard as you can for as long as they give you. And you just run until it's done. And you don't stop until until the election happens. So we'll hopefully find out in the next week or so whether the speaker has decided to call a special election Somebody had said they even could do a special election concurrent with the general election. I don't, you know, the the formal session for the state house ends on July 31st, and then you're in informal session for the rest of the year. Of course, there's a lot of work that happens outside the session to serve the communities and do constituent services. We we do understand that there will be somebody staying on uh, from. Josh's staff, who will stay on to answer those phone calls, regardless of what Angley, happens. Cole probably, Angley is yep, there. Yep. Um, Susan McDonough Moran yep. is there. So there will be people to answer the phone. He's got and quite a staff. He has a staff who knows their way around. Yeah, they do. So either way, it'll 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 be good. Um, what was the decision like to run? for state rep? Um, you have served in uh, on different uh, committees and, and boards. In I believe in in uh, in Pembroke, correct? And Hanson. And Hanson. I was going to say Hanson, but you're like nodding your head. I'm going. Don't say Hanson because she's nodding her head. No, but, no, no. But no. You also you also ran. You you you've had runs for higher office. What, what was the decision like to say this is I, this? I want this. I, I want to run for this. So it, it wasn't quite as easy as you think because if you had asked me this a year ago, my son had just uh, gone through some surgery and he was going through a lot of transitions related to his surgery. We had a lot going on um, in our family and I probably would have said, just not my time. Mm. Um, this year's a sort of different story. So when I stepped down in May from the select board in Pembroke, I think I thought I was putting up my political hat for a while. Didn't know if I would ever pick it up again. But when this position um, became available and I looked at the district and I looked at my experience, I thought, I can do this. Mm. I know this district. And it's a little different from the state Senate race. Sure. Because that was such a big district. There's a vastness to it, yeah. There's a vastness to it. And there's also, um, there was, I'll confess, there was a little bit of naivete on my part as to how vast it was and how much work it would take to break into the Cape in particular. Yeah. Um, and so 
and and it was a very short time frame on a special election. This district, I don't know everybody in every town, and what I'm starting now is my listening tour. I want to get to know the constituents um, better in Marshfield, in Duxbury, in Halifax. I know a lot of people in Hanson and Pembroke. Um, when I when I moved to the South Shore in 2001, my husband's a lifelong South Shore guy. I moved to Hanson in 2003 and knew that this area was going to be where I was going to raise my family. Had some friends involved in local government, and I jumped right in in 2003 when I moved to Hanson and started on the cable TV committee. Right. And uh, we formed the Whitman Hanson Cable Access Corp. And um, then I ran for select board. And back then, when you ran for select board in Hanson, people came together for the community. I probably had as many Republican as Democratic signs uh, for that race in 2004. And it was, it, was really, um, it was really a community coming together. And I was very grateful for that. And it was a good experience. Um, I left that position when I was going through some medical issues myself. Uh, starting a family and going through some medical issues. And then after my about two weeks after my son was born, we moved to Pembroke because we needed a house that was big enough for my big family to come stay with us mm. for long periods of time. I have a big Italian family. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got a house that had an in-law suite and had some space. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so that's, that's why I made the switch from Hanson to Pembroke. And uh, then I started getting involved in Pembroke, and it took me a little while. I spent six years on the planning board before I ran for the select board. I didn't just immediately say, I'm in Pembroke now. I'll run for the select board. I had a young son. I took my time and uh, really got to know the town. And and. The last few years have been a little different in politics and local politics, but I'm hoping we can get back to where we were and focus on the communities. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Becky Coletta, 1L, 2Ts. Uh, she is a candidate for state representative, 6th Plymouth District, and uh, she's uh, my guest to talk a little bit about her campaign. Campaign season is upon us, and uh, the hope is that we have as many of the candidates that are running for office on the South Shore here on the show. So we, we thank you very much for, for coming, and we still have a few minutes to, to talk uh, before we have to depart for a bit. Um, what do you feel is the benefit of announcing early, and what do you feel are going to be some of the the key issues that are going to resonate with South Shore voters uh, this time um, you know, presidential election. So you're going to have a lot of voters going to the polls. So getting started early is it, it's a it's a marathon to run for office. And if you knew the office was coming up or that you were running for it, you know, I could have been getting prepared with background material and talking points and stump speeches six months or a year ago. And mm-hmm. instead, I made the decision on Friday that I was going to jump into the race and still working on all of those things. So getting in early is so that I can start to talk to people from day one. I'm already out there talking to people in each community about building a campaign, but also more importantly, getting to listen to what people's issues are. And I'm talking about things like coastal resiliency for communities like Marshfield and Duxbury talking about things like housing, because as someone who has spent a little bit of time as a realtor along the way, have uh, a brokerage, housing is so expensive that our young people are having a really hard time. It's not the Ameri- it may not be the American dream for ma- many, many of the younger generation. But I'm hoping it can be. 
I'm hoping that we find a way. Right now, I feel like a lot of older people also don't see a good place to go. So they're not interested in giving up their homes for a younger generation. And there isn't that much space to build new starter homes for the younger generation. So I think we really need to look at housing on the South Shore. And, you know, we've had some changes. We've had some uh, dictates coming down as to what those housing decisions and choices should be. But I think it's going to take a lot more than that. I think it's going to take a lot of soul searching within our communities and saying, what do we need and what can the state do to help us? Well, it's, you know, this is the the second administration. I know that the, the Baker Polito administration they realized that I remember one of uh, one of uh, Governor Baker's, you know, speeches, state state of the state uh, speech, talking about housing and how important it is, and then having the new administration, you know, Governor Healy coming in and wanting to put it, put together a blue ribbon panel. We need to research. We need to take a look at what's going on with our housing stock, housing situation, um, and that's an ongoing effort as we speak. So it's, you know, the the folks in the administration. No. They know. They know this is an but, issue. But, you know, here's the thing. No, we don't all know what X is at this moment. It's that equation that we need to solve. Exactly. We don't all have the solution. We don't all have nope. the answers, which is why, I mean, I did find it interesting in the planning board because sometimes we would talk about these issues. You know, what do you do about in-law apartments? Mm-hmm. What do you do about um, where in town do you have space where you could even do multifamily? Um, Where's that not going to just create congestion and density that creates other problems? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. It's not going to be solved overnight, but I'd like to be part of the conversation. And I think that'll be something I'll be listening for suggestions and solutions. Education funding, always a hot topic. Um, I was talking to, to people about that. Um, it's. Uh, I know Whitman Hansen is working on their regional agreement Ooh. as we speak. Um, I think they had a meeting on it tonight. The the big problem is is that the, you know the, the 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 method of how the how the finances is split statutory method and after they had a um, a shared there was a a shared philosophy for so long. You know they actually talked about you know uh, how do we deregionalize and how do we go our separate ways. They realized that <laughs> it's so expensive. <laughs> the to divorce, do that. yeah, the divorce is going to be a lot more expensive <laughs> than finding the solution to, to to cohabitate as as a region. And I am, you know, I think that the state does need to look to support regional school districts, but I also. Um, I'm somewhat optimistic that the towns are starting to get to a point where they can have conversations about things like, how do we avoid a surprise? How do we structure it in a way that the towns don't get caught off guard the way they did Mm. in 2018, and that they can move forward in a way that they're moving closer together? I know that that's been an issue on a regional school district for a long time. We also have the issue of vocational education, which ties in with the apprentice issue that I was talking about when we were talking about Rep Cutler. Um, the vocational schools are overrun right now with demand, and there's not enough space for people, for kids, for students who want to do vocational education, who find that better. And we can debate whether the DESE rule is helpful or not in terms of saying that people within a school district need to have priority over people who are coming from outside the school, the regional vocational school district. Mm. Um, And we could debate that, right? But at the end of the day, students for whom this is the best option, we'd like to have a place for them. And sometimes the students who get left out are the ones who struggle the most. 
back when I was doing social work and doing my MSW program, I had a student who was an adolescent who really um, wasn't faring well in the general school system. Um, But her grades weren't good enough to get into a vocational program, like a cosmetology program. Mm. And um, I was afraid she was somebody we were just going to lose along the way. And that always stuck with me. And when I think about vocational education, I think about our kids. I think about my son's friends. I think about um, the people around me. But I also think about that young woman and the people who sometimes get left out of the conversation. So it's going to be a lot of discussions around vocational education, how we do it, how we do it right. And Sashua Votek is looking to new school. New school. So that will be a big issue and how the state can help with funding that. We actually, um, I want to say uh, three weeks ago, we had Dr. Tom Hickey in. We oh, talked yeah. about that, and the thought is to keep having the conversations as they're, they're toying around the nine dis- different communities and saying, hey, this is what we want to do. This is the, this is the, the number of students we'd like to have. Uh, if we wanted to go a little bit grander, this is the number that we also, I, I would say it was anywhere from 700 to 850 or somewhere in that, right. that ballpark that we had, we had talked about. But uh, last thing I'll, I'll say about the the... Uh, the trades right now, the biggest problem with the trades is that there aren't enough tradesmen or trade people to fill a lot of the position where a lot of individuals are, are retiring. So trade schools are essential and very important. And it's paramount that something is done to meet the, meet the, the, you know, the individuals who are leaving and find a way to replenish uh, individuals with you know newer, brighter minds to be able to take the trades into the next century. Well, you look at what's happened. The um, the median age in most of the trades is very high. I want to say in the fifties, and um, that's just not sustainable. When I've looked at the estimates of what we need, I went to a program in Brockton recently where they were talking about that district. There just aren't enough bodies who have the skills to fill those spots. I I was very happy to go to the Carpenters Union has a beautiful um, new training facility for its program and just opened up the IBEW just opened up the um, new training center there. So people know this is an issue working on it. I'd love to be part of that solution. As we get to wrap, get ready to wrap up with you, uh, Becky, uh, folks want to find out more about your campaign. Um, again, you are you just announced. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be plans for a website or some kind of socials for folks. Do you have something early on if volunteers want to get involved with your campaign? By tomorrow, I should have set up a website. I haven't. I didn't have that pre-planning time this time around. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, by tomorrow, I should have my website. I have the domain. It's um, beckycoletta.com. That's one L, two Ts. Like I said, yeah. Uh, beckycoletta.com. And uh, my email is becky, B-E-C-K-Y, at beckycoletta.com. And my phone number, I'll put it out there for everybody, 781-267-6222. Happy to give phone calls, emails, and um, look forward to listening to constituents in this district over the next few months. Well, we thank you very much for, for coming in and enlightening folks to your campaign, and we'll look forward to more conversations with you down the road somewhere. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. You got it. This is Becky Collada, candidate for state rep. We're going to step aside when we come back. More Monday Night Talk. 
This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Go ahead, indulge yourself every Wednesday night, tune into the Francesca Luca Show, and join me for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration. So sit back and relax, or be stimulated, or both, because being connected feels good. And who doesn't need more of that these days? Don't miss the Francesca Luca Show Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on 95.9 WATD. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. People ask me, is there anything they can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? Is there anything I can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? See, there is. Those big gravel trucks, when they're being loaded, rocks get stuck in the framework of the bed. Truck hits a bump, rock hits your windshield, it pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. <laughs> Be a part of the show. Call and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk. We return to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATB. Uh, Thank uh, our our guests so far. We've had some uh, great conversation. And I like to equate, it's the analogy that I keep using, that this this radio show is like, like a meal. Start off early on first hour. It's a couple of appetizers. Just get done with the entree. And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, let's have some dessert. Uh, joining me right now, uh, he is the WATD Sports Director, uh, also host of uh, a Sunday Night Show. I actually listened to some of your show last night, um, 5 to 7 p.m., Sports Exchange. Uh, Quinn Kelly is here. And do we have our other guest uh, on on no not yet okay I'm sure he'll join us he 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 has told me that he has to stay close to his yes <laughs> his keyboard because news could break any moment um, did you have a chance to watch yesterday's game or or you or you um, someone a sports person when you see enough you just go all right I don't need to watch this. I can't I, I can't no I I feel bad too I was with other people who who would who have reached the point in the season where they'd rather have the red zone feed on than the Patriots game. And I I have to, I just, I can't, I have to watch the Patriots. I couldn't do it. So, uh, no, I, I watched, um, it's, uh, you know, I think a fitting end to, to the season. Uh, I think it was pretty much, um, a really good summation of everything wrong. You know, anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. You had your worst season, under Robert Kraft, and uh, and you finally have uh, the, the the you know the Jets beat you for the first time in what fourteen fifteen games. So yeah, that was uh, it was a fitting end to uh, to a bad year. Things come full circle. Yes, today and I, I opened the show and kind of as I was teasing our segment mentioned Black Monday. Mm-hmm. If you are a head football coach who has not had a uh, a good couple of seasons, losing record. Uh, chances are, depending on your relationship with the owner, you might be heading to the unemployment line or mm-hmm. hoping that you can at least catch on with another team to be a coordinator on another staff until mm-hmm. you can get another opportunity. 
Um, how is today kind of shaking, shaking out in regards to the state of the New England Patriots? As I expected, I think that, you know, as as most of the league should have seen coming, I was surprised to hear even just a couple of hours ago, Adam Schefter say that, you know, league sources kind of believed that this was going to get done sometime this afternoon, because in my mind, you know, Bill Belichick is not. You know, every Joe Schmo coach in the league. Bill Belichick is not Arthur Smith in Atlanta. He's not um, you know, whoever else got fired. He, he's he's Bill Belichick. It wasn't going to be cut and dry. Monday, he's gone. I felt like we were going to have a few days to, you know, Kraft was going to digest whatever was said in their meeting today. So uh, joining us on on the phone line to give also share his input, uh, writer for BarstoolSports.com, not far from his keyboard because news could break any moment as to whether Bill Belichick will remain with the New England Patriots or if he's going to be having a beer at the bar and saying, well, that was a great 24 years. Where do I go now? How are you, Jerry Thornton? I'm good. And I can confirm I was uh, on the conference call uh, today and... Uh, you know, just kind of bring, bringing them together. You know, like like your older your older uh, audience members will remember when Frank Sinatra brought um, Dino and Jerry Lewis back together again on the uh, live on the telethon. Yeah, kids, Google that. That's a <laughs> that's a reference from the late Cretaceous period. But yes, <laughs> yes, Kevin, I'm lying to you about being on it. I just wish that I was. Uh, there in that in that meeting, maybe it's still going on. Do we know? Do we know what time it started? Do we know anything at this point? They, you know, they might they might be doing an Italian thing with it. Might be a seven course <laughs> meal, and you, you know, and, and right now they're they're you know just finishing up with the prime rib, and then they're going to move on to some pasta. Who knows? Yeah. But the, the the good kind of Italian thing, not the kind where they walk you into an empty room and there's plastic. Uh, sheeting on the floor. Yes, like they did. To, like they did to Tommy and Goodfellas. <laughs> He's gone. They, they whacked him. <laughs> yeah, look, this is the uh, this is the limit of what I can take. Honestly, it, it it really is. And I I know after 24 years of unprecedented success that all the other fan bases in the world are feeling really terrible for us. But it's all I can compare this to is if you're on trial and. The jury is deliberating, and you're just waiting for the word. You know, what's what's the verdict? Or, or maybe, all right, here's an apples-to-apples apples comparison. This is from Hoosiers, when, uh, you know, they're having the big town meeting about what to do with Norman Dale, and the votes come in. I'm waiting for Tommy Chitwood to come in and just say, uh, the coach plays, the coach is here, I, I I stay, no coach, then I leave. And then I want to be the one tearing up the paper going, coach stays. <laughs> see, oh, see, see, I was just going to throw in there. And again, I also want to make sure, you, so so Quinn Kelly is here. So it, we, we have a nice round conversation. I was thinking Henry Fonda, I believe it was Henry Fonda, and 12 Angry Men. And I'm kind of hoping that right now Henry is just kind of, you know, somewhere Maybe it's, you know, maybe maybe Bill is, you know, right now talking to Jonathan and trying to say, Jonathan, I know you're going to be taking over the team in a couple of years. I would be a value, valuable commodity, uh, and I would have no problem just coaching and doing whatever it takes if, if, you, if you, you keep me on so I can, list, I can get another 16 wins. Poor coach. Win six banners. Been like getting beat up every day. It's not much of a life for him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and like all the media guys, like Ben Bull, and they're the Lee Jape cop going, "Come on, he drafted poorly. You gotta, I gotta convict." 
<laughs> so I, I want. So I, you really struck a nerve with that that movie. Right? I know, well, I know. So I, I want to ask. So Quinn, do, yeah. if you will pontificate, do you? What have you? Were you expecting? You know, Bill Belichick to, to get the news sometime this morning. I mean, was there a surprise that he held a press conference and basically uttered, "Hey, I'm under contract. I'm still here. You know, you know, helping to try fix this thing." Were you surprised? Yeah, I guess I guess that's surprising that he has been kind of lock and key about his contract situation, and then and then to make such a direct commentary on it is is un unbelichickian, if you will, but. Um, yeah, I think it, it was interesting. You know, obviously, he, he, the media is going to you know spin it how they want to spin it for the story, and and I'd be interested Jerry's thoughts on it. But to hear you know him, he, he did say basically if if it's best for the team, I'll give up GM duties or you know whatever. And and the the way that's been spun mostly today is that's him trying to back craft into a corner um, to you know to to say that you have to fire me I'm not going to leave and that was what the contract talk was and that was all of it uh, but you know maybe I'm as as rosy eyed as I think some people like to say that Jerry is but I, I wonder if if maybe it's just a guy who does really want to do what's best for the team and realizes that you know what maybe maybe I have slow to beat uh, but I don't know I'd, I'd be interested Jerry if you think there was sincerity behind the hey listen I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do what we can to win football games yeah, I don't know that there's ever been a public figure since, I don't know, I mean, since 2,000 years ago who has made simple <laughs> statements and had them so, like, just into, like, a balloon animal and presented it. See, he's, he's committing heresy. Like, okay, every year for 24 years, the day after the season ends, whether it's a missing the playoff season or whether it's a winning the Super Bowl, he has a press availability. It's part of the deal. It's it's contractual. So he does it. And then they ask him about, you know, like, what did you do to? I, I came to work. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's my job. I'm under contract. And like, oh, that's unusual. They everyone starts stroking their beards like, hmm. <laughs> he talked about his contract. I, like, he, I, I read that as, yeah, I, I have a job to do. Like, you know, until I'm told otherwise. Now, the one thing that I, I say, you know, really was revelatory in this was him opening the door for, yeah, look, if if it's determined that it's in the best interest of the team that I, you know, that, that somebody else makes the final say, I, I have the final say, but if it, that's going to, you know, be in the team's best interest or whatever, then, you know, I'm open to whatever. I, I don't read into those words that, He's backing anywhere to corner that it's like some giant like chess match out of an Ingmar Bergman film. You know, it's <laughs> it's death against uh, him or whatever. It's just like him saying, uh, "Okay, I'm 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 not against it." And th- there's historical precedent here. Let, let's go back to 1996 when Bill Parcells wanted Tony Brackens in the draft. He wanted a defensive lineman and. Kraft overruled them because they had had some bad drafts and said, no, our, our scouting department has spent $2 million for and Bobby Greer say we should take Terry Glenn. Parcells, like, you know, famously, like, said, all right, well, if that's what you want to do, fine, okay, that's it, and, and determined he was out the door at that point. It sounds like Belichick's not doing that if they can convince him that this is the better path. 
I, I, and it, if that happens to me, it sounds like a really nice compromise because fans have got a lot of trepidation about some of the poor drafts. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at, you know, you know, the kid that was drafted 177th by the Rams who just set the rookie record for receiving yards. Yeah. Um, uh, Puka Nakua. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A hundred, he had 1400 receiving yards. Last year, with the 50th pick, they drafted Tyquan Thornton, and he, this year he finished with 91. <laughs> 91. So it's not unreasonable if if the the Mr. Kraft is saying, "Look, we we got to draft better. The system we have is broken. It's it's not operating the way it should." And maybe Belichick at that point says, "Look, you know what? I'm 72. You know." I can dial back the, the the duties and the responsibilities a bit. I, I'll say this: he, he he definitely wants to coach. It's hard to argue that he doesn't love to coach. That you know he's you, you go down to training camp and he's walking around spinning a whistle and you know chatting with the players, giving one on one instructions, screaming at them when they make a mistake. You know, grab ass him with his celebrity buddies that are down there, whether it's Brad Stevens or John Bon Jovi or whatever. Like, he, he's a man in full doing exactly what he wants to do. So I don't think it's out of the realm to say he's maybe going, yeah, you know what? All that time invested in the, in the draft selection and the waiver wires and stuff, I'm ready to relinquish some of that responsibility to someone else. Now, I didn't think I'd be saying that. Until I heard that press conference today, so I have to. I have to. So Quinn, I have to interject with you because you and I have had back and forth, mm. whether it's on air, whether it's I'm listening to your show, um, or in the thought I had said this is: what if he just gives up? What if he just relinquishes control and just just be the best Hall of Fame coach mm. that you can be? And 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 I think we've went back and forth. And it's like I think you have said that. Uh, you don't see him doing that. Is this? Does this seem like something that is unexpected? Does he see the writing on the wall? Does he want to finish his time here in New England and then call it a career? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a point that, and maybe I'm confused, but I think even in you've made Jerry. I think ultimately this is a guy that that is 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 he's an old guy who probably at this stage in his career. Just doesn't really want to have to move somebody else somewhere else. Like yeah. I don't care if it's Nashville or if it's you know if it's God forbid down to Carolina. Like he Atlanta. He's, yeah. yeah, he's got his place on the vineyard. He's got his life set up how he wants to set up. He's been here for two and a half decades, and you know he's he's not chasing a supermodel out to down to Miami or wherever. Like he's he's good with where he's at. It was unexpected to me, I guess, in the sense that. You know, here's a guy, and maybe it's just kind of, you know, because you've been so tainted by, you know, the greater Boston media painting him like an egomaniac. But I think there's just, you know, not many people at the same time get to that stage of their career and are going to take, um, you know, somebody coming in and saying, hey, listen, you're not doing your job adequately. We're we're changing your responsibilities, you know, are just not going to take that likely. It seemed unlikely that there was going to be to me at least an in-house solution where he was going to be willing to take that step back um and 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 they were going to work something like that out but what nobody has really i think you know given a lot of credence to is the the reality that maybe cooler heads are just going to prevail Kraft is going to realize hey you know i i kind of botched the Brady exit i don't necessarily want to do that with belichick yeah. and belichick's going to re- realize that hey you know my bet 
best solution forward is also staying here. It's the thing that they whiffed on in my mind with Brady. The best answer for both of those parties, and I guess Brady kind of proved this wrong by winning somewhere else, but the best answer in my mind was stay put, figure it out here, you know, you know, close out your legacy the right way. This even more so, like Belichick at, at, at 70 whatever, is he going to go start somewhere new? And, and like right. it's not, you know, he's not going to do what Brady did and walk into a ready-made situation and be in the Super Bowl next year and go win it. That's extremely unlikely. And for Kraft, I just, what's your better option? Like, unless you go way outside the tree, even if you say, all right, I've got Gerard Mayo, he's supposed to be the next guy. Well, Gerard's been here his whole career, so where are his assistants coming mm. from? Your problem is not Bill Belichick. Your problem is that the staff underneath him is, you know, to a man, largely atrocious. So, you know, whether that be Vrabel, who's just Belichick light, Gerard Mayo, who's already in-house, show me a better coaching option. Even in the Callahan and Kide piece, they, you know, in a pretty anti-Belichick piece, they concede that, People in-house recognize he is still an extremely capable coach. So you're not going to get a better X's and O's guy. And it's unlikely you get a really solid guy who can come in and clean house and build a good staff and have you be anywhere close to where you need to be in as tight a window as Belichick could do it. So I think they both just realized the best path path forward is finding a solution here. Quinn, when you said these things, Kevin disagreed with you. Shame on you, Kevin. (laughs) So, but he's, he's, he's talking reason. He is There's talking. There's no lie in his words. No, there's no lie in his words. But but the thing that's interesting is is how the Boston media has vilified Bill Belichick. And, and again, I go back and forth and listen to the two titans of sports uh, as as they're going back and forth on how they're they're trying to find ways to you know I don't know if they're trying to whisper be the you know the the coach whisperer. To you know uh, Jonathan and and Robert Kraft and say you need to get rid of him you need to start fresh. Well, you look at and, and hearing all you know national media, mm-hmm. you know how they 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 love Bill Belichick and they see him for what he's worth and and realize that what he has accomplished. You may never see another head coach accomplish all that he has done while here in New England, regardless of Tom Brady or not, Tom Brady isn't the only one who can lead the team. You have to build a team. You're going to have players who, who will play and who will run through a wall for you. Um, but it's, it's in, And knowing that there's so many other teams right now who have fired and released their coach, that they're, you know, it's being rumored that they're already, they're already starting to knock at the door mm-hmm. and say, hey, hey Robert, you know, we'll give you X amount of draft picks if you, know, if you will let us, you know, trade bill to us and mm. let him run our organization um maybe maybe robert and jonathan have realized that you know what if there's such interest and demand why do we want to why do we want to part ways with this this valuable piece that can probably still lead us somewhere and i think the biggest thing and 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 i think that because of the three of us you know kevin us working here we're not you know you know, smaller pond and, and, and Jerry, you, you're writing from the perspective of somebody who is a fan of the team. You don't have to be impartial. I, I think that the reality of it is for, you know, the greater media in Boston that's that's doing the talk shows every day and has to fill their minutes and whatever. Tom Brady's gone and you're not going to make your bones uh, you know, kind of going after a guy that's so universally beloved here. Robert Kraft is the one who's given you access to the team. You know, in the case of like Felger and Maz, you, you can't really go at Kraft or, or, you know, that's an awkward negotiating, uh, you know, table the next time around. So who's left holding the bag? It's Bill Belichick. And so all of a sudden, Bill has just become this lightning rod for all of the problems with the team. 
And 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 Jerry, I'd be so interested to know if if you were to ultimately, you know, at some point things have gone wrong here and there is blame to be laid. And I would be so interested to know where your, you know, who would be the majority owner of the blame in your in your opinion, because I don't I don't know that for me it would even be Belichick. Yeah, well, I mean, to back up to something you said a little while ago, <clears throat> Quinn, about the, uh, you know, Boston sports media in general thinks that Belichick is a raging egomaniac. And, uh, you know, that's true. And that's coming from guys who, by and large, are the, some of the most humble, Delta-facing, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, selfless people in the world. Like, half of them think that they should be a coach somewhere. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> But they've chosen journalism instead. Like, they'll tell you that with a straight face. Now, I have a lot of guys I'm very friendly with in that world. Don't don't get me wrong. But there are some that are just <clears throat> looking to just toss bombs. One of them showed up at the uh, post-game presser just to lob grenades at Belichick. And it's Shaughnessy, who probably needed GPS to get to the stadium because yeah. he's never there. <laughs> But you know what? There's a chance I smell blood in the water. I'm going to show up and I'm going to ask the question that he just said he's not going to answer. You fraud! But anyway, well, if only <laughs> if only he did that with Red, Red Sox ownership. Oh wait, <laughs> he yeah. might he might have to be careful in that in that realm. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you just do another one of those lazy, perfunctory, picked up pieces things? We recommend some pals book you moron. But anyway, <laughs> so. so- um, Listen, you know, if, if you look into lay a percentage of blame, and Belichick has never shied away from this, he gets the final say, it's on him. There's one thing that we can all, you know, say that he, we can accuse him of many things, but being unaccountable is not one of them. What happens if the team goes out and plays like garbage? Does he sit there and say, hey, you know what, this guy didn't block, and this guy, you know, committed a stupid penalty? No, it's like, we, we need to coach it better. We need to do it better. We've got to get better in all three phases. And that's that's not an easy thing for anybody to do in a you know in that world of hyper competitive, uh, you know, alpha males mm-hmm. of which he he is one. So I give him credit for that. He's had the final say. Pick after pick has been a, a bust. Many of them that I supported that I was delighted when he made the pick. You know, you, he he owns that. He he has to. The fact that Mac Jones has, and I, I just saw a metric today, and it, it's hard to really explain, but someone took 36 quarterbacks in football history that had, you know, so many passes per year by the time they're 27. But out of the 36 of them, the one who had the biggest drop-off from his passer rating as a rookie to his passer rating in his third year is Mac Jones. Okay, you know, it, as Michael Colioni said, some, someone has to answer for Sonny Carlo. You know, that's, that's somebody's fault. And it's, you know, you've you got to lay it on the guy who either A, hired Matt Patricia in the first place, or B, assembled this offensive line, or C, assembled this group of skilled players, or all of the above. Yeah, or scouted Mac Jones, and then you know, there's there's so many things we can nitpick mm. that it's it's probably not unreasonable to say, look, here's a compromise, Bill. We 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 love you here. We don't want to move on from you like we did from Tom, like as you guys mentioned. Some change needs to be made. What if we go with a different system for player procurement and pro scouting? You'll have input. 
but we need somebody else so that we can feel good about having the third pick in the draft and not botching this. But we want you on the sidelines every day. We we want to hear from you. But you know, you you can't be working these twenty hour days for the rest of your life. And and you know, the alternative, if I'm Belichick, is what I'm going to go to Carolina and start over without a quarterback and without a first round pick. Why? Because the weather's nice. Like who cares? You know, um, what what it like? What is a better alternative for him than still being in this organization, working with both his sons? working with a staff that he likes, working with owners that are supportive, or, as you said, starting a new life at 72. That that sounds great in, like, a sitcom or something, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't, that's, that's not how the real world works. They have to go and build a whole new organization from the ground up. He did it 24 years ago. I have a hard time thinking that he's got the, the desire to, to do that now at age 72. If you're uh, just tuning in, we are uh, just about to wrap up uh, Quinn Kelly, WATD Sports Director, and uh, Jerry Thornton from Barstool Sports. Gentlemen, we've come to the lightning round of our conversations. We've got three minutes left. Lightning round means that you have a quick answer or, or at least a sentence uh, without having to take a couple of breaths. Um, best option for GM if Bill, Bill Belichick uh, is willing to do it. Uh, Quinn. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, would you would you go with a retread, a Nick Casario, Scott Pioli? Well, if Scott Pioli was an option, yeah. Okay, yeah. Jerry. Wow, that is that is a, a, a great uh, point. Maybe Thomas Dimitrov, you know, as a retread, the guy sure. that, that left the job to go down to to Atlanta. Um, but all the, these guys also have somewhat spotty records too. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe, the, the, you know, ownership tends to have somebody within the organization that they like who's come up through the ranks. It's hard to go and find somebody that's that's proven, that's willing. Okay, to, remember, to, 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 uh, light, remember yeah. lightning round. Oh, yeah, oh, doggone <laughs> it. Yeah, that was a thunderstorm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, um, biggest team need, where would you like to see them draft with that third round pick? Jerry. Oh, the, num- the number three pick. Uh, yeah, quarterback. Quarterback. Okay, Quinn. Honestly, offensive line. I'd I'd rather I'd rather try to find somebody left tackle, middle of the road. And I I I think I'd love really honestly to trade it down, try to parlay it, get a quality offensive tackle. I think the line is going to mask a lot of issues, and and then find a find a cheap option that you can trade for that's already in the NFL that has something proven. Okay. Uh, do you feel this team can be rebuilt uh, via the draft or free agent, especially this free agent pool? Quinn. I mean, you got $70 million in cap space for whatever, you know, the cap means anyways. So I think it's a mix of both. Jerry? Um, draft first and then build in around with low-cost solutions. No more Nelson Aguilar's. No Riley, more John Riley Smith's. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. If there was a particular, if there was a one or two free agents that they should retain of their own, which which one or two would you want to see them retain, Jerry? Hunter Henry, um, uh, and re resign the, the rookies. You know, Kyle Duggar for sure Amen. is a, yep. a foundational player. Uh, Mike and Wanu, I like Hunter Henry too. I think that's right on. I mean, he shined in a year where not many did, but Mike and Wanu, I mean, you're already 
You don't need to start even further over with the offensive line. Okay. NFL Super Bowl matchup uh, of your desire of the teams that are in right now, Quinn. Of my desire? Yeah, that are in, in right now in the playoffs. Um, I, I hate that I think I'd, I'd be okay with the Ravens. Um, probably Ravens on that side. And then um, I guess I, I, I mean, I'd just go with the top seeds. Ravens, Niners would be the best option. Jerry? Uh, I will really enjoy hate watching the Cowboys, <laughs> and uh, it's still fun to root against the Bills. Bless them. I love the Bills Mafia, but they just got so far out over their skis, calling themselves like the next dynasty, and they, they didn't even win the division. So, yeah, give me give me that. Okay, last question before we say goodbye for the evening. Michigan versus Washington. Who wins tonight? Quinn. Uh, begr- I, I have a sinking feeling it's going to be Washington. I, I'd like it to be Michigan, but I think Washington just, just does it somehow. Okay, I think Jerry's going to have to go with uh, with a bar stool <laughs> yeah. with with one bite. Everybody knows the rules. Uh, what would you say, Jerry? I watched my boss win a million million bucks on a fourth and goal. Having said that, I've got in laws who are hardcore Michigan people. So there's a part of my heart that's going to be pulling, going to be yelling, "Go Huskies!" Yeah, same here. And I, and I will tell you, one of these days, I'm going to get Dave Portnoy on this show, talk bar pizza. So, um, but Jerry, thank you. Quinn, thank you. Thanks. Hey guys, until next week, gals. Six fifteen p.m. Have a great night. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com.